Now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Keck. Well, the phones are ringing once again, and Mother Angelica is answering the call, all from her classic TV shows of the 80s and 90s. I'm Doug Keck, along with my cohort here, our EWTN network chaplain, Father Joseph Mary Wolf, for Mother Angelica answering the call the program each week here on ewtn radio always great to see you father and you too doug and you know in religious life we're called to go back to the charism of our founders there's always something new god is up to but it's it's a good thing for me and for all of us at ewtn to just get back to the charism of mother and and relive some of her spiritual teachings right absolutely and and the insights that she had back then that are even more current many ways today we're going to be talking about several calls one about planting a seed another one can anyone be detached from sin hmm it's certainly a mystery to me that was our mystery uh, episode and help me with thinking about the priesthood well let me ask you uh with the first one, planting a seed, you're a farmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you relate to planting a seed? Yes, and Mother brings it out. you got to wait. I'm a gardener, right? And I get impatient waiting for those seeds to finally break through the soil and start to grow and then finally produce. But you got to wait. you got to be patient. And I think that's a beautiful way in which Mother says, be patient. You know, if he's coming to adoration, to this novena, to the miraculous metal, Something's happening, even if you're not perceiving it. The Lord is at work in some way. Right, absolutely. And, and I think what was nice, too, in, in this particular uh, episode, the, the person was so uh, complimentary to Mother about the idea of being able to make religion and our faith so understandable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like Father Mitch says, what, bring the hay down for the goats or something like that? And, and of course, Mother could. She could just make it very practical and have a sense of humor and talk about our human foibles, you know, and uh, make it very real for people how we can really be saints. And she really points out about the idea uh, with this woman's husband uh, that he, he better understand where the peace is coming from. And she also has this mm-hmm. great line about He's reading a counseling book. She said, well, throw that away. It's worse than It's like as bad as a comic book. Because, again, from that perspective, a non-Catholic or non-Christian perspective, mm-hmm. it's kind of a do-it-yourself when really what you got to yeah. be doing is asking God to take it on for you. That was really a good point that Mother makes. That's a do-it-yourself kind of improvement. No, the Lord is our improvement. He's the one we look to. He's the one that's giving us peace. And he's the one that's transforming us. Right. And if we rest in that spirit especially in front of the eucharist we'll get great graces and we'll have the peace that goes beyond all understanding let's see what mother has to see about planting a seed we have a call hello 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 mother uh thank you first of all for uh putting religion on a, a level that all people can understand so that people who haven't been blessed enough to have a Catholic education can truly understand what you're saying. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Jesus, for mother. (laughs) Uh, What I'd like to say is I have a husband who was baptized Catholic. He's now 51 years old Mm -hmm. and uh, did not come up in a home where religion was primary. 
Well, consequently, he's baptized but a non-practicing Catholic. And um, I was brought up in a very strict Catholic home. So in this case, opposites really did attract. At any rate, um, he's had a lot of problems and problems with depression, etc. And our church has um, benediction to the miraculous medal and exposition of Blessed Sacrament from after 8 o'clock Mass until 7 p.m. at night every Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And he had a real big problem about five months ago. And I told him, I said, I don't know what else to tell you. You won't go to a doctor. So just get your behind up and go to church. <laughs> and what did he do? Well, he started. Um, he goes every Tuesday, and he sits there. But he won't, he won't pray, so to speak, as a, in a formal prayer. Let's yeah. put it that way. He's not reading from a prayer book. He doesn't recite the rosary when we recite the rosary. He brings a book that kind of that came from a counselor, and he reads it to kind of look inside of himself, and he likes the peace that's there. Uh. Now, I'm saying to myself, he's sitting before the Blessed Sacrament, and while I kneel next to him, because I go with him, I say, Jesus, talk to him. Make him understand what it is you want, please. Right. Because it's what you want, and it's certainly going to make my life better, okay? So it's good for everybody. <laughs> but it just seems like it, it's like it doesn't affect him at all. He says he doesn't believe in the presence of, the, of Jesus in the Eucharist. Now, a minute ago, you said he feels peaceful there. Is that what you said? Yes, it is. But I, and that's uh, what I can't make him understand, that that's uh, where the peace comes from. The peace comes from the Lord. And that is his presence, see. When you go to a Catholic church that has the blessed sacrament, and that is a fervent church, especially. But the Lord's presence is there either way. Your husband doesn't know what it is. He doesn't know who it is. He didn't get that way overnight. And it's going to take him time. You know, <clears throat> I never did this. I don't know from experience, but they tell me that if you uh, lay out in the sun on a hot day and it's cloudy, you still get sunburned. Is that correct? But you don't see the sun, huh? All you see are the clouds. So you might go out there and make a big mistake and think you can stay there longer and you wake up and you burn. Well, that's okay. Just thank the Lord that he's gone every Tuesday or whatever day it is. Now, it seems maybe to you that nothing's happening. Did you ever plant a seed in the ground? It's a long time. It doesn't look like anything is happening. And all of a sudden, you see this little bitty thing coming up. And somebody told you you planted an oak tree. And you got one in front of your yard, and it's this big. <laughs> but it started real tiny. Maybe that's where your husband is. I would try to get that counseling book away from him. <laughs> you might as well look at a comic book, you know? Because that's a do-it-yourself thing. And you can't do it yourself. You've got to go to Jesus. I would just uh, 
say, look, why don't you leave that book at home and just sit there? And let the Lord speak to your heart. I'm going to have the sisters pray for him. But as long as he goes, be encouraged. The fruit may not be what you want right now. And this is God's permitting will. But your husband is going. He may not. He may be too proud to admit you were right. Men are like that, you know. They, <laughs> they don't want to think the old gal was right from the start. <laughs> That's part of their nature. They can't help it. That makes the difference. The woman says, I told you with me. I told you this 10 years ago. And many women won't admit that. See. That's a good thing. They got to keep up their self-confidence. Next up, a call about being detached from sin. Now, mm -hmm. Father, is it ever possible to be <laughs> totally detached from sin? And that's... Uh, anxiety for people, right? We talk about the plenary indulgence to have detachment from sin. Well, I could never, ever possibly do that. No, it's not something impossible to achieve. We're not talking here about total freedom from all sin. But to be detached from sin is mean that the, means that there's no sin that you are unwilling to renounce and that you want to take steps to amend the situation so that you can overcome sin. It's not like you just have total non-concupiscence, right? You have no inclination whatsoever toward any sin or toward any evil, but that you are willing to renounce all sin in your life and amend your life so you can improve. Right, and I think the idea we used to say when we were kids, we used to hear about, you know, uh, avoiding the occasion of sin. Mm -hmm. If you've got a weakness or something in your that you find you fall into, uh, mm -hmm. and you can't, maybe you can't avoid it all the time, but you do as much as possible to not put yourself in a position where it's easy to make that fall, right? Exactly, yeah, that if we are avoiding those occasions, then when the occasion may come, you have a, a strength to overcome it. But if you're kind of testing the waters, right. um, you're opening the door to the evil one. Absolutely. Can anyone be detached from sin? Let's see what Mother's take is. We have another call. Hello, Mother Angelica. My name is Teresa. I'm also from Rhode Island. Oh, wonderful. What's your question? Um, I, I looked forward to the Jubilee year all, all last year. Um, every time I listen to, usually it's Father Augustine who says it, um, uh, the, that in order to receive the plenary indulgence, one of the requirements is a detachment from sin. Um, I, I end up feeling like, uh, is there anybody actually going to get the plenary indulgence? <laughs> Did I hear right? <laughs> well, there's all kinds. Of, did she say discipline? Huh? Oh, you should be, or you're going to... <laughs> See, uh, you have to be uh, detached from your sin. So it may be a s slow process. I don't know what kind of sin you're talking about. See? There's all kinds of sins. You know? mm. There's gluttony. 
You eat more than you need. Detached means you can get away from it. See, you have to get it. You cannot be detached from sin just during Lent. <laughs> That's a, 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 a contradiction. If, if you have a habit of sin, any kind of grievous sin, you've got to be detached forever. You, you, you can't die, go to heaven and say, Lord, you got me at my undetached week. <laughs> you can't. If it's a grievous sin, and there is a grievous sin that we call mortal, used to call mortal sin, and you know it, it, it separates you from God. You, you have to stay away from it. And that's what it means being detached. You've got to stay away from it. If there's any venial sin, you have a habit of lying. Oh, you say it's not a big lie. It don't hurt anybody. But it's a habit. A bad habit, and and there's no, you know, there is such a thing as venial sin. And when you go to communion, and offer that communion for your venial sin, they're wiped away. You got to know that. But detachment from sin is a necessary thing in Lent and outside of Lent, because we just kind of on a a wire, you know, and we're. Just kind of going this way and that way, and you don't want to fall. So a detachment has to be a constant thing. Um, like if you tell dirty jokes, you don't want to keep just stop for land. See that's bad because you offend God. Now you can stop for land, trying to hope to get you out of that habit. See. But you can't just do that. So if you feel you're attached to a grievous sin, you, you've got to go to confession, try to get the indulgence, and then from that moment on, no more sin. There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph and Doug Kecht on EWTN Radio. And thank you so much for staying with us here for part two of Mother Angelica answering the call. I'm Doug Kecht along with Father Joseph Mary Wolf, our chaplain here at the network of EWTN where Mother Angelica found it all back in 1981 on her program Mother Angelica answering the call. First up, we've got, it's certainly a mystery to me. Mm -hmm. Is it a mystery to you too, Father? When Jesus says, for the Father is greater than I, well, I thought he's the second person of the Blessed Trinity incarnate. Well, we have to realize that in some occasions he's speaking from his humanity and others from his divinity. And some will also say, well, John really is the one who contrived that Jesus was divine. Well, we don't see that in the other Gospels. For example, in Mark chapter 4 and chapter 5, he tells the storm to be quiet, and it's stilled. He, de he delivers this Gerizim demoniac who has hundreds of demons. He delivers him. This woman with a hemorrhage is healed. Jairus' daughter is raised from the dead. He's showing he has authority over nature, over demons, over health, over even death itself. 
That's divine, right? But he also speaks the Father is greater than I. In his humanity, that's the case. Yeah, and I know from uh, with Father Spitzer talking about uh, exorcisms and, and things that our Lord did, the difference uh, between him and what was being done in, in, in Judaism at the time is he was doing it in his own name. Jesus was casting right. out demons in his own name. And when the apostles did it, they had to do it in the name of Jesus. Mm, that's but a really he good did point. it in his own name. Mm-hmm. So even in his humanity, his divinity is at work. And that's a point that Father John Harden brings out about the reality of the Eucharist. His humanity is present in the Eucharist and that his divinity is working through that to sanctify us, to heal, to deliver. Let's see what Mother has to say about this mystery to me. We have a call. Hello? Hi. Hello, Mother. Uh, God bless you and your, your ministry. I Thank really you. enjoy it. Thank uh, you. I have a question about John chapter 14, 28. Uh, to paraphrase there, for the Father is greater than I. That doesn't seem to uh, reconcile what I believe is the... What is it? 14? Yeah, fourteen twenty-eight. there. Okay. If you truly love me, you would rejoice to have me go to, 14, to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. Yeah. Now, many okay. other places there, it's, you know, the Father and I are one. Right. And that's kind of what I believe. During a parish mission one time, uh, it was explained that it was, that was a mystery. It's, it's certainly a mystery to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see if we can explain a little bit, okay? Well, we'll do our best. We'll ask Jesus to help us. You have to realize that Jesus took on what? A human nature. But he never lost his divine nature. You see? He never lost his divine personality. He was always God-man. Another thing that really blows your mind is when the, when the, when the man went up to him and said, Good master. And he said, Why you call me good? Only one is good the Father. And that was because, you see, he took his position. St. Paul said he emptied himself. Doesn't mean he lost his divinity. Doesn't mean he was even a second without it. He was always the eternal word, but the eternal word made flesh. As man, and that's what he's talking about, the Father as greater than I. I. If you love me, you would be glad to know I am going to the Father. In his human nature, God, Jesus saying, he is greater than I. In his divine nature, he's equal. And that's the mystery of the God-man. But it's explainable because that's why he said to this young man, only God is good. He's trying to, to look at us as a creature, that he became man, suffered everything we suffered with, without sin. And he wanted us to know we cannot put our confidence in ourselves or in the world. We, cannot, we only have one good father, and he would pray to his father, you see. He took on the position of man in a very real way. He ate, he drank, he felt hungry, he felt cold. 
He felt hurt. He cried over Jerusalem. He groaned when Lazarus died, even though he knew he was going to raise him up. In all these things, he taught each one of us how to act as a human being. To give all credit to the Father. Only the Father is good. The whole Trinity is good. The eternal word is good. But he wanted us to learn in his human nature, speaking to our human nature, God alone is good. He wanted us to know. And he said, the Father is greater than I. Mm -hmm. Jesus, eternal word, is the mind of the Father. The Father and He are one. And wrapping things up on our program for this week is a question about that a young man has about the priesthood. And what's interesting is your name pops up in here, Father <laughs> yes. Joseph, doesn't it? Yes, so I was a leader of our group at that time, and uh, we had a one number of wonderful young men, and uh, still do, thanks be to God, who have persevered in our way of life. And any young men who are interested in uh, checking us out, you can go to our website, Franciscan Missionaries of the Eternal Word, give a little plug here, and we have a wonderful work that is reaching the whole world. But I think for, uh, to discern, how does a young man discern his vocation well, how has the Lord led you up until this point? You know, sometimes, especially as a young man, maybe in seminary even, and approaching ordination, he kind of gets cold feet. But you have to look at, the same thing with marriage, I suppose. You have to look at how has the Lord led us up until this point? You know, how he's opened doors, how he's revealed that you're called to this particular vocation, and you continue forward. And, of course, prayer is an essential part of that as well. Right, absolutely. And uh, w with the priesthood, I thought Mother made a good point. She said, just be sure the seminary you go to is a Catholic seminary. Mm -hmm. I think in general we believe it's better today than maybe it was at this time. Yeah, it is better, thanks be to God. And uh, in so many places, yeah, it's really gotten back to where it needs to be. And our young men have studied at Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg, a wonderful place where they got a great education. So... Um, yeah, that's the key. We need to learn the faith as it's taught by the church. And his mother would say, don't just think about the priesthood, pray about it. We have another call. Hello. Hello, Mother Angelica. Hey, where are you from? Hi, I'm from Barrington, Rhode Island. Oh, great. What's your question? Um, first of all, I just want to say I love you very much. I think you're wonderful. I donate to you Thank all you the Jesus. time. And um, I just wanted to ask, um, I'm 15 years old. And I'm 16. very strongly thinking about the priesthood. 16 years old? 50. And I would 16. like to know if you could please pray for me. You're asking me? <laughs> You're 50, is that right? 15. Oh, 15. <laughs> Thank you for saying it over again. I, I didn't know what you were... Or at 15 years old, you have to have at least a high school education. And you can enter some orders after high school. 
And I think it's wonderful if you want to be a priest. Just be sure the seminary you go to is a Catholic seminary. Now, I, I hate to say it that way, but if they don't teach the Eucharist, and they don't teach the sacraments, and they have some things that are not right before God or man, then that's not a seminary. You can have a plaque around that says seminary, but it's not. It's not a seminary. Your first thing is to get your soul ready to answer the call of God by prayer, by visits to the Blessed Sacrament. You're a student, maybe a holy hour on weekends. And I think at that point, then you will begin to really have a spiritual relationship with Jesus and then want to give your whole life to Jesus. If you want to be a priest, that's total sacrifice. Don't be a priest because you may think, well, we'll get married one day. Forget it. <laughs> you can't give your total love to two different people. You're either going to give it all to Jesus or all to a woman, which is fine. You can have a family. You can't divide it. If you're going to be a priest, you have to give your entire life to Jesus and his people. Oh, forget that little item. Secondly, you must decide what kind of priest you want to be. Do you want to be a diocesan priest or a religious priest? In either case, size up the seminary. After you graduate, I'm sure Father Joseph here would love to speak to you and help you discern your vocation. But priesthood has to be an absolute, total commitment forever unto death. With a martyr's heart and a humble mind. That's what you must strive to acquire now. For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.